Hello and welcome to H2 Orthopedics. My name is Mike Begg. I'm a certified physician assistant and certified athletic trainer. I have a doctorate degree in medical science and over 30 years of experience in sports medicine, orthopedics, and medical education. My goal is to take your orthopedic diagnosis or injury and help you make sense of it. Welcome to H2 Orthopedics. Here we are at another episode of H2 Orthopedics. Welcome back. Uh, today's topic is uh, is ACL revision surgery, uh, meaning you've had your ACL reconstructed once, and if you uh, need to refer back to the to the episode on ACL reconstructions, uh, go ahead and do that. It's pretty basic, straightforward. Gives us a, kind of an overview of options and uh, the reasons why the anatomy that you know the injured anatomy and the options for surgery or non-operative treatment. Uh, but an ACL revision means that you had your ACL done once and for some reason it uh, failed. So you've torn your ACL graft uh, and you're, you've been told that you need to have it done again or revised. So um, unfortunately we see this a fair amount. We just saw a couple uh, recently in the clinic and that's why it's on the top of my mind. So I thought it would be a good uh, time to kind of touch base and see, um, see if we can't dive into this a little bit further. So ACL revision, here we go. So again, ACL has been, been reconstructed. You have the options that we've talked about, the autograft options, meaning that the graft came from you, the patient. So uh, gold standard is a patellar tendon. So below your kneecap, a little piece of bone from the kneecap itself or the patella, piece of the patellar tendon, and then piece of the tibia where it, where it attaches down below. So bone, tendon, bone, or patellar tendon graft. Uh, hamstring, a hamstring graft is an option for an autograft or a quadricep graft. Uh, it could be all soft tissue just in the distal quadricep, the thigh muscles as they come into the top of your kneecap. Or some surgeons will take a little piece of bone uh, at the top of the kneecap with that graft. So those are the three most common autographs. <clears throat> uh, allografts, you have the same options. Uh, and you have a couple others. But uh, So the allografts are cadaver sources. Again, hamstring, quad, uh, patellar tendon, or the autographs. So let's just say you had your ACL reconstructed with the uh, patellar tendon um, and it was 10 years ago. And unfortunately, you were, uh, you're out skiing and same mechanism. You, you know, twisted, uh, got off balance, you crashed, you heard and felt something given your knee, big swollen knee uh, within 24 hours, meaning that there's a lot of bleeding inside the joint. So a large effusion, we would call it. Uh, and you are diagnosed with an ACL injury. So unfortunately, you have to have this done again, or you go back to that same a discussion with the surgeon, should I have this done again? It's not mandatory. You don't have to have your ACL reconstructed, but in a young active population, that's typically what we would recommend. The key here is now we need to figure out why did it fail? And without a doubt, there are those who go out and just have, have I'll just say bad luck or uh, bad scenarios that come together and the perfect storm of forces go through that ACL graft and it just tears. And in that case, that's, that's just, you know, is what it is. And we have to, to fix that. But we really need to look into it as clinicians. Now I'm talking to the PA students, the PAs, the nurse practitioners, the, 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 you know, the, the practitioner side of things, the athletic trainers. We have to look into it and see why did this tear? Is there a special reason? Is this person predisposed to ACL injuries? Maybe they are. You know, maybe they just live an active lifestyle and they put themselves in, in those situations, uh, which we can't do much about, obviously. Uh, we could counsel them if you wanted to, but... Um, <clears throat> Or maybe there is something going on in that knee that predisposes them to an ACL injury. So 
Um, it could be, and we see this frequently, we've learned a lot in the, about the ACL surgery. It could be that the original graft was put in maybe in a less than perfect position or a non-anatomic position. I don't know the exact timeline, but over the last 15, 20 years, we have changed the location pretty dramatically of where we attach the, or drill the holes to, to virtually attach the graft inside the knee. So just for reference, the femoral attachment used to be almost vertical or straight up and down. And now it's really kind of to the side or to the lateral side of the, of the notch in the knee, which seems to be more anatomic. Studies have shown that that's more anatomic or where the actual native ACL attaches. And then on the tibial side, uh, below on, that, on the lower half of the knee joint, the, uh, the tunnel needs to be positioned perfectly <clears throat> in the front and back and side to side plane. Uh, so the angle of biomechanics of that graph can work properly. So without a doubt, and techniques have changed too. Uh, we used to go through the tibia, you know, drill the tibial tunnel first, and then go through the tibia into the femur. Again, this is 20 years ago or more. Uh, we would do that technique, um, trans-tibial it's called, and that would almost force you to have a somewhat vertical femoral tunnel just because of the lack of access to getting further down on that lateral wall. All that's kind of technical and doesn't really matter to those who aren't in the, in the operating room, but as clinicians, we need to look at the tunnel positions. Uh, that's, so that's first and foremost of, of an ACL that's uh, been uh, reconstructed and that has failed. The t tibial tunnel and the femoral tunnel position is key to the evaluation to determine whether that may be put them at a greater risk for tearing it a second time. So tunnel position is key. Tunnel size is key. So sometimes that, that graft gives evidence that maybe it was a little loose in there. Uh, it was wiggling side to side and uh, created over time, and this doesn't happen overnight, but over probably several months and probably over several years, a little bit of a windshield wiper effect or a little bit of extra motion in the tunnel itself, femoral or tibial, uh, can widen that tunnel, cause extra motion or excessive motion or poor biomechanics or all the above, and cause failure to the graph. So we can see the size of the tunnel. And typically we don't drill more than, say, 10 or 11 millimeters uh, of a tunnel to accept the, the, the primary graph, the first graph that goes in there. So if your tunnel is you know, 20 millimeters, 15 to 20 millimeters, you can expect that something enlarged that tunnel. And there's multiple things that could do that. That micro motion, the improper position, uh, there's, there's several things that can cause uh, tunnel enlargement, but that puts that risk at graph or that graft at risk as well. So those two things are pretty easy to see on the x-ray. You can definitely see the alignment of the tunnels and the position of the tunnels. Sometimes we need to go as far as getting a CT scan, looking at the bone, to really get a good idea of what that tunnel size is really like. Uh, an MRI will help. It's not ideal for tunnel size, but you can, you can see it on an MRI. You can measure it. Uh, so those are, those are two keys, tunnel position, tunnel size. Uh, the graft material, why did it fail? Well, if you're a 20-year-old and the first surgeon chose a hamstring uh, allograft, so let's say a hamstring from a cadaver. We know from studies over time, watching different patient populations, that those are likely uh, not going to hold up as well as, say, an autograft teller tendon. So maybe it was just, you know, uh, lack of knowledge or uh, the choice of graft material that goes in there. So we, can, we definitely need to investigate that. We need to investigate alignment. 
So from a bony standpoint, sometimes there is abnormal alignment of the knee joint itself. So as the femur, the thigh bone comes down to make up the top half of the knee joint and meets the tibia or the shin bone that comes up to make the bottom half of the knee joint, sometimes there's an alignment issue there. So an x-ray that covers from your pelvis to your ankle, we can measure the longitudinal axis or longitudinal alignment. So we draw a line from the center of the ball of the, of the hip joint all the way down to the center of the ankle joint, the talus in the center, and we see where that line crosses the knee. And it gives us an idea of, I'll just use the layman's terms, how knock-kneed or how uh, bow-legged you are, which adds to force on the ACL. If you're ex- extremely off one direction or another, we need to know that. And oftentimes we'll talk about an osteotomy. The, the slope of the tibia. So the tibia isn't necessarily flat. So the bottom half of your knee joint isn't necessarily perfectly flat. There is a slope to it and there's excessive slope. Um, then that may indeed cause some instability issues as well. So uh, looking at an x-ray and looking at slope of the tibia, alignment of the overall lower extremity, size of the tunnel and position of the tunnel, all those things factor in and graft choice, all those things factor into uh, uh, the possibility of, of doing something else before or at the same time of the revision ACL. So we need to look at uh, other options that, that may improve the outcome, I guess, of the second ACL or the revision surgery. Uh, the other things we need to look at are um, other ligaments. Does that patient have an unstable collateral ligament? Do they have a, an unstable MCL? Let's say they, on the first... Uh, First go around, they tore their ACL, <clears throat> grade three, completely gone. And they also had a grade three tibial-sided MCL injury, which in theory should heal, but those are the those are the category that would maybe less likely to heal. And so with that, they have side-to-side laxity or side-to-side extra motion of their knee, which again would put extra force on the joint itself and potentially could lead to some extra force on that native or that reconstructed ACL, leading them to the a need for a revision. So maybe that would need to be addressed at the time of the revision surgery or potentially staged, as I'll talk about in a second. Uh, do they have a big meniscus tear? So we know that the meniscus uh, is a cushion in the knee, that cushion cartilage, uh, that kind of rubbery gaskety cartilage between the two bones. We know that that is a shock absorber. Uh, it has you know, that ability to, to kind of prolong the wear and tear of the joint. But without a doubt, if there is a large piece of that meniscus that's torn, and or removed at the first surgery, that leads to potential instability concerns. So maybe that patient had a huge meniscus tear and they were na- unable to uh, to repair it or unable to save it, and they just simply removed it, which is the option, especially back 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and now that is gone. It's never going to come back, but that could be a source of instability in the knee that should be considered, and maybe this patient... Uh, would need to have a stage procedure, and we consider, you know, a meniscal procedure as well. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's rotational instability. So things like what we call the posterior lateral corner. So we talked about the MCL is kind of an isolated ligament. Posterior lateral corner is a few different things on the other side, on the outside of your knee, the fibular collateral ligament or the lateral collateral ligament. Uh, the the, the uh, posterior corner also includes popliteus tendon, which is a small tendon in the back of the knee. Uh, so there's a couple different structures. We won't get into detail of those structures, but the posterior lateral corner has a function of, of rotary stability. So if those structures are torn, 
were stretched at the original procedure and not necessarily repaired or fixed, that patient may have been living with some rotary instability from a posterior lateral corner injury, and that could lead to failure of that ACL graft. So there's so many things out there that could be adding to the reason why this patient's back a second time or potentially even a third or fourth time. Uh, so we need to consider all of those in the preoperative planning. It's not as straightforward as just, hey, I tore my ACL for the very first time. Uh, here I am. Let's fix this thing. You have to step back and really take a 10,000-foot view and then focus in on each one of these different areas to determine whether they are a contributing factor that needs to be addressed at the time of the surgery. So we have all of those to, uh, to consider. If we get to the operating room, we should have information and really a a surgeon who's who's skilled in revision surgeries will have a plan and know what's going on. Once they get to the operating room, they're going to have a plan of, you know, X, Y, and Z are our primary plan. If we see, you know, A, B, and C, we may have to alter or do a little audible there. But here's what we're going to do. Uh, we may be able to take care of all this at once. We may have to stage this. And by staging, what I mean, let's use the example of the tunnels being too wide or too big. So, uh, if they're too wide or too big, we don't want to put a graft in there that's not going to be able to to, to heal in or, or fix to the bone. So, you know, a 20-millimeter tunnel and you have a 10-millimeter graft, obviously you have extra space in there that you, you're expecting the body to to heal. And chances are it's not going to, in a, at least in a secure fashion. So in that scenario, we would likely go in, clean up the knee, so take out the torn ACL to uh, get rid of that as a potential pain generator look at the other structures of the joint and we'll talk about meniscus and what we may find there. But oftentimes we will drill out the holes. So there'll be something in those tunnels, you know, graft material depends on what they use. Sometimes a little bone plug from a patellar tendon graft, uh, either autograft or allograft. Um, and, or if it's just soft tissue, you know, hamstring tendon or quad tendon, uh, there'll be some substance in that tunnel, but it won't be really bony. So we have to kind of drill or clean those tunnels out and then if indeed they are, say, 15 or 20 millimeters, we'll put a, a dowel of bone in there. So it's just a little, you know, circular uh, bone graft that we, we can put into that tunnel. And then in that case, we're done with that part of the surgery. We won't reconstruct their ACL at the same time, but we'll come back later, maybe three, four months afterwards, and reconstruct after that bone is actually grown in. And now we're basically started over with a clean slate of bone. We can drill a tunnel at any direction, any angle, any position we wanted to, because now that bone is solid again, and it will hold the new graft, the revised ACL graft. So a revised, or excuse me, a revision procedure may just need to be staged. If there's nothing wrong with the menisci, ACL is torn, um, nothing else to do, let's say, we will um, we'll graft those bone tunnels and uh, say, look, we got to come back for stage two, which will be your ACL reconstruction. And now in this case, it'll be very similar to your original procedure because we can pick and choose the location of our bone tunnels. Sometimes the ACL is torn because of the big tunnels and there's a meniscus injury. So now we have to figure out what can we do to that meniscus? Again, if you want to refer back to the episode on meniscus tears, the options basically are repair or remove or do a meniscectomy. If we choose to repair or attempt to repair on a meniscus, then we have to look at the stability of the knee. It becomes a little bit dicey if we repair a meniscus but don't fix the ACL. Uh, say we have to graft their bone tunnels and we have them leave the operating room for, you know, three to four to five months as that bone graft is healing in those tunnels. A meniscus repair is at jeopardy of failing. So it's a tough call sometimes to say, you know, we should probably 
maybe not repair your meniscus at this setting. Let's wait on the meniscus and repair it when we do your ACL revision, stage two. But you're going to live with this meniscus again for another three or four or five months, however long it is. And it may get chewed up, it may tear more, or it may not be repairable at that time. So that's not an easy answer to come up with. Uh, revising or, or reconstructing, sorry, not revising, but reconstructing the collateral ligaments in that posterior lateral corner to give stability is, again, always a possibility to add a little bit of, of support to the knee. Same thing with the osteotomies. If we need to do an osteotomy, which is basically cutting the bone. So let's say you have an alignment issue and we need to straighten your leg so you're, you're less bow-legged. Uh, we would make an incision on the inside, primarily of the tibia in this case, and open up a wedge of bone on that side with a, you know, basically open up the bone, put a plate on there, some bone graft in there. And just like the tunnels, they would have to heal. And then that, that would be a straighter leg with the more uh, symmetric or appropriate biomechanics on the ACL. So all these different things come into play when we're trying to figure out why did they fail and then what do we need to do and how do we put them in order, the things that we do. And it's not always an easy answer. And then graft choice. We have to figure out what can we use for this patient that's going to be a good choice. Uh, again, the younger population tend to do less well with the allograft or the cadaver tissue. So uh, say our 20, 25-year-old patient comes in, uh, they've already had their patellar tendon taken on that, on that knee. Um, do we want to go above and take the quad tendons? Now we've actually compromised the patellofemoral joint on both the superior and inferior aspects. Uh, we could debate that, but maybe not such a great idea. Hamstrings, hamstrings of that younger population, not a bad choice, but is it the best choice? Do we go to the other knee, the contralateral knee, and take patellar tendon or quad from that side? Probably do not want to go to allograft. Again, the younger population, allograft's not a good option. So we have to think through these options. And as a surgeon or as a, as a provider, uh, that's where your skill has to be really diverse. And you may say, like, I do patellar tendon all the time. I'm really good at it. That's my bread and butter. I've been doing it for 50 years. But they don't have a patellar tendon option anymore because it was taken and we don't want to go back to that same location, you know, five years after their original surgery to do this revision. Now I need to go to the quadricep tendon. Well, that surgeon needs to be qualified and, and experienced in taking a quad tendon graft to do a good job on the ACL. So that's where as a patient... Surgeon choice or surgeon, you know, choosing the surgeon to do this revision, I think becomes a really critical and key component to success of the outcome. Um, so it's, it's not as straightforward as just do it again, get me back out there. Uh, I know the rehab sucks and I know I got to get through it, uh, but it's, it's more than that. And sometimes it is that stage procedure where the bone, bone tunnels need to be grafted or an osteotomy needs to be performed or an additional surgery like a collateral ligament or posterior lateral corner uh, reconstruction needs to take place at the same time. There's another procedure called an LET, capital LET. Uh, so it's, a, it's a basically taking the outside on the, of the knee, the IT band, leaving it attached to the tibia. So down below, we leave it attached. We take a little strip of it kind of from the center portion, sometimes a little bit further back than the center, uh, about a centimeter wide and maybe you know, nine or 10 centimeters long, and take that little slip out, leaving it attached to the tibia, pass it under the collateral ligament. So it's kind of tunnel it underneath the fibular collateral ligament or lateral collateral ligament, and then attach it to the femur 
and then sometimes fold it back over and attach it, you know, sew it to itself so it's more secure. But you can imagine it's coming from the front outside of your knee back along the outside of the joint underneath that ligament, and then it's attached to the femur back there. So it, it limits or inhibits rotation, internal rotation of the tibia, which is one of the mechanics uh, of failure for the, for the ACL. You know, excessive interrotation, uh, what we call a pivot shift, uh, occurs when you tear your ACL, and this would help limit that rotation. So again, another procedure, just to throw in there, just kind of came to me as I was talking, but there's a lot of different scenarios that have to come into play, and really, this is a procedure that, as a as a providing team, the surgeon, PA, athletic trainer, uh, you know, staff, we really need to figure out what are we going to do, what's the best interest of this patient, and how are we going to approach a single procedure, or are we going to stage this? Do we need to stage it into bone grafting? Do we need to stage it into an osteotomy and bone grafting? You can do an osteotomy and ACL reconstruction at the same time, but uh, we need to look at the patient. Is, or is this right for that patient? Are there collateral ligament injuries? Are there posterolateral corner injuries? Are there things that need to be addressed either, again, stage procedure or at that time of that revision? So tons and tons and tons to think about and lots of planning and lots of, of really um, going through different scenarios of what could be found and what could be fixed and how would we address that. Uh, so all that's part of the revision procedure. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, some people are interested in, in wanting to learn more. Again, we've had a few few patients that have come in, unfortunately, that need revisions. We've had every scenario I just talked about, we've, we've had to go through and really try to think what is the best option for this patient. We do a lot of bone grafting, a lot of stage procedures. Um, we've done a couple of contralateral uh, harvests for uh, graft choices. We've done the LET on almost all of them because it's a pretty simple procedure to help that rotational uh, component kind of restore or, or back up that rotational instability to protect the ACL from that point. We've uh, reconstructed some posterolateral corners for sure. Lots of MCL reconstructions. So uh, lots of different, you know, scenarios have been presented and we've, we've had to kind of think through and, and, and do the right thing for these patients moving forward. So anyway, that's the revision ACL reconstruction. If you have other questions, definitely throw them out there. I'm always happy to talk to you about them and um, we can get more specific or more detailed. So again, I want to thank all the athletic training and PA students that have been kind of blowing up my, um, my website with suggestions and discussions. And I haven't turned them all into to podcasts here, but uh, we've definitely been having a good conversation and I really appreciate that. It's fun to talk to you. You're teaching me a ton and hopefully you're getting something out of it too. So thank you for all that. And uh, we'll talk to you again. So until then, do your best to stay active, stay healthy and put a smile on someone else's face. See ya. Hey, it's Mike here. I hope this episode's helping you out and answering some questions. If I'm not hitting every topic right on for you, if there's something specific that you have about your injury uh, or you want to discuss unique findings on the exam or your history, your MRI, your x-rays, whatever it might be, head to our website at h2orthopedics.com and scroll to the bottom for an opportunity to sign up for a virtual visit where we can either have a Zoom call, we can do a telephone call, whatever it might be, and we can discuss the specifics of your injury in more detail and hopefully get the answers you're looking for. Again, that's h2orthopedics.com. Scroll to the bottom for the virtual visit, and I will talk to you next.